Welcome to today's webinar on reinventing partnership, reinvigorating museum education in Jordan. We hope that you will enjoy today's webinar. We're talking about and focusing on partnership building in around the museum and heritage sector in Jordan. And we're very pleased to have uh, with us today key members of the AHRC Newton Halliday funded research and development project, Learning from Multicultural Amman, Engaging Jordan's Youth, which has been a project that's been running for about a year now. Um, with many activities um, that are going to be reported on by our speakers. We've got three speakers who will talk for about 10 minutes each, one after another. And after our speakers have finished, we will have a question and an answer uh, session. Our first speaker is going to be Dr. Arwa Badran, who is a researcher at Durham University, um, currently. Um, uh, working on the project um, and after completing her bachelor's in archaeology in at the University of Jordan she worked as a field archaeologist and developed her special interest in higher education and museum studies at uh, Newcastle University in the UK writing her PhD on the introduction of museums in school curricula. She's worked as a lecturer in museum studies at the Hashemite University in Jordan and currently works at, at Durham on this project and as a course tutor. She's previously worked as a consultant for UNESCO on heritage education projects in the Arab region and currently sits on the executive committee of the World Archaeology Congress. Our second speaker is Professor Robin Skeets, who's um, professor in the Department of Archaeology at Durham University as well in the UK. His research and publications um, explore a wide range of themes within the overlapping fields of material, visual and, sen and sensual culture studies and museum and heritage studies. His recent books include Museums and Archaeology, published by Routledge in, 19 in 2017, and the Oxford Handbook of Public Archaeology, published by Oxford University Press in 2011. And our final speaker is uh, Dr. Shada Abu Hafaja, who's an associate professor in the Department of Architecture at the Hashemite University in Jordan, who is a trained architect, uh, graduating from the University of Jordan, and specialized in the document documentation and conservation of archaeological heritage. Um, her PhD in cultural heritage management is also from Newcastle. Um, and in that she has combined and synthesized architecture and archaeology with a special interest in establishing a sustainable approach to heritage management in the Arab region that is community-based and context oriented. So with that, I'm going to hand over to our first speaker, who is Arwa, who's going to set up um, the context and, uh, and the activities today, and then we will move on. I'll join you again after our speakers have finished, and I'll, I will be um, chairing, chairing the discussion. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Carol. Yeah. Thank you for this introduction. Um, and thanks for Maggie as well, who's running this webinar in the background. And I'd like to thank everybody who has uh, joined us tonight for this webinar. Um, Carol, you've given a fantastic introduction. I'm just going to follow up with, you know, um, what I'm going to be talking about today, um, about the project idea, the objectives and the activities. And that will be followed by Robin Skeets, who will be talking about international partnerships and the lessons learned. And then finally with Shada on the uh, partnership locally, which we have experimented as a model during this project. Just to say for those of you who is um, interested in theory underpinning our work, there are many and uh, perhaps this can be followed up on afterwards. Um, but we are looking into community engagement, we're looking into public archaeology, learning theories, neoliberalism, 
post-colonial theory, um, multivocality, inclusive, um, inclusive practice, and, 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 and so on. Um, let me start by sharing my presentation. Right, so I'm going to start with how the project concept actually started, and it actually started a long, long time ago. So this is in 2006 when I was doing my field work as a PhD student, and that's my visit to Umkhais Archaeological Museum in the north. And as I was walking around the museum, I saw these kids um, taking their photograph sitting on an ionic column, and being then a very keen archaeologist, I was in complete shock um, of course, but then a few years later, coming back at this photograph, I just realized that they were actually engaging with that heritage. And perhaps there is a better way or a guided way for them to engage with that heritage. So stemming from this concept and about, you know, who can actually get together and help promote a, a better engagement for this young generation. And really, a lot of it starts here with the education system. So as part of my PhD, I've done a lot of research on the curriculum and found that a lot of the past in Jordan is excluded. Um, it's presented in a scattered manner. There's very little, little engagement in how the past is presented. But also there's a lot of focus on archaeology as a commodity within tourism. Um, so there is a combination of factors that are actually influencing the way children are actually perceiving their heritage. Looking at museums in Jordan, so there are many, um, we're still counting. Um, so on the left hand side, this is the Jordan Archaeological Museum known as the Citadel Museum. Um, and this is a museum, this is the first official museum that opened in Jordan in 1951 and followed by many others. So this museum, as long as other, as well as the others, are part of the pre-year 2000 museums. So a lot of these museums rely on traditional displays and mostly guided tours uh, for school children. However, they are, um, they contain this fantastic rich um, collections um, on, on display and in storage room that could be a, a great learning resource for children. We also have the post year 2000 museums and on the right hand side you've got the children's museum where they use exploratory approaches and hands on um, education. Um, um, also, you know, um, another addition to the museum local museum context that we were looking at as part of this project. Another very interesting also um, 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 player in, in this uh, in this um, um, in this initiative is the actually higher education. So what you see in front of you are are products by Hashemite University students, which Shada will be talking about more in her presentation. But they're actually doing a reconstruction of um, archaeological sites in Jordan, which we think could be a really interesting learning tools for museums to use to engage uh, children about learning about their past. And out of this, um, we created this model of partnership that we wanted to experiment with and implement. So it's basically this museum, school, universities collaborating with each other to better engage the youth in learning about their multicultural past. So moving on to the project objectives, if you start from the bottom, we wanted to identify local good practice. So we didn't want to parachute a Western model. We wanted to know what actually is in Jordan but really works in Jordan and perhaps try and bring in some international good practice and blends and see what we can adopt and adapt to Jordan. And based on our research we created a training program um, for museum professionals in Jordan and after that training program we um, uh, started implementing activities to pilot that practice. 
Um, so now we're on to the stage where we're uh, developing guidelines for the sector on best practice in museum education for Jordan, which will then follow on with that into the advocacy phase where we are trying to get support from decision makers in the heritage and in the museum sector. So main, basically we're trying to um, institutionalize this, this um, um, this practice and make sure that there is this umbrella that could support museums in their work. So our project partners, we are six, so it's Durham University, Hashemite University, University of Jordan, the Jordan Museum, the Department of Antiquities and CELA for Training and Heritage Protection. It's quite a big team, we're 14 people, so the three of us are actually presenting this on behalf of our team because everything we've done in this project has been a, a teamwork. So we started off with our March visit, so that was the needs assessment and exploration. We met people along the way, visited lots of museums. We met with the partners for the first, well, not myself, but I got, I had Robin and then you've got Ross there um, um, from the Durham uh, Library and Collections at Durham University who also joined us in the project. So we all got together. So that's a picture of our team. Um, feeling very happy at the start and we are still happy all the way in. And then you've got falafel along the way. Um, to uh, yeah, a bit of spicing, spicing up. So one of our first um, key, key um, activities was actually the training part. So we started training in July 2019. Um, so we hosted a four day training and we opened it up for everybody in the museum sector. So we've done it in the Salt Historical Museum, which you can see the picture of the museum here on the slide. We also did it in the Royal Automobile Museum, the Royal Tank Museum and the Jordan Museum. So we were about 55 museum professionals all in one place and this is quite unprecedented in, in, the, in the history of Jordan to have that um, um, to have that group of professionals all meeting in the same place and talking about museum education and local practice. The training program was a British Jordanian production, so that was uh, also taken into consideration so that it would fit within the local context. The second training program was done in Durham um, a few weeks later, where we had 24 museum and heritage professionals who attended the first training join us at Durham to observe, engage and learn from museum education practices in Durham. So basically seeing things in action. It's also interesting that everybody also brought in their own good practice to share. So this wasn't a one-way direction. It was an exchange of um, experiences, ideas and practices between UK and Jordan. Once we were done, we started implementing activities. So on the right hand side, you can see one of the Hashemite students with her model of the Citadel. This is in the Jordan Archaeological Museum, along with our lovely um, schoolgirls from Balqis Primary School. Um, we had 30 uh, schoolgirls, 30 Hashemite students, and we were all gathered in the, in the Citadel Museum. So this was all led by our project partners. Um, um, so over two hours they had a, an engaging activity about, um, about Taiki, that was the theme of the activity. On the left hand side that's Mahmoud from the Folklore Museum and this, so this is when we started receiving information photographs about people actually coming back to Jordan and starting or their own initiative. So Mahmoud is here has welcomed uh, school, school children as well um, to his museum and is, is, uh, is carrying on with his own activities. So we actually have seen some really amazing um, outcomes which exceeded our expectations and project objectives. So we can see that change is happening. So I'd like to focus on two main things. One is the seed for human resources infrastructure. And I think this is really needed in Jordan. 
As part of this project, we've created a network of Jordanian museum professionals, both from governmental and non-governmental museums. So people got connected. Uh, there were visits being organized to each other's museums. We now have a WhatsApp group and a Facebook page created for sharing news and discussions. We've also created clustered clusters of museums where they can work and support each other. Um, we also noticed that people are beginning to rethink their role, rethink of how they actually engage with the public. And that's where the importance of um, the local practice really emerging and being re, re, um, rethought and reinvented. And, and, and this is really important, that engagement with, with the practice. The other thing is that collaboration, which is actually growing as part of the project. The project. So we, are, we have formed also informal partnerships aside from our core partnership. And that's the seed for institutionalization. But we do recognize that for that to actually become more embedded in the sector, we need to work on more um, memorandums of understandings between institutions and governmental bodies. But also the concept of establishing a local museum association, which is being brought up in every meeting. Right, so I'm going to stop there. Um, and I'll... Um, I'll leave it uh, for Robin to come in with his presentation. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Ara, well, can, can, we, can you hear me? If you can hear me, it means everyone can hear me. Perfect. She nodded at me. Great. Um, so thanks, Ara, for that really clear introduction to what we've been up to over the... Uh, over the last sort of uh, well more than 12 months now what I want to really give you is a sort of something of a personal reflection on international partnership you know particularly with reference to this project although I've worked on other international projects as well and I want uh, there's really three things I want to go through with you the first is the challenges actually that we've encountered in our international partnership working. The second are the, the positives, the rewards uh, one gets from working together. Um, and then I want to sort of close by, and this is the main bit really of what I want to talk about, is, is reflecting on what lessons that I've personally learned. And I'd, I invite you to think about, uh, you know, to compare my lessons to uh, the lessons that you may have learned yourselves in, in, in working with international partners, uh, whether those are positive or, or, or less so. So to start with the challenges that um, uh, I've certainly encountered, well, you know, language is, uh, is uh, always, uh, you know, an issue. It's a joy, but it can be a barrier as well. In our case, uh, English and Arabic. Well, you can see my list of five words on the uh, on the right. Perhaps it's, it's growing a bit, um, but it does mean that one's dependent on translators and good translators uh, who have specialist knowledge of the subject area. Um, then there are. In Jordan, as in everywhere, you know, there's a degree of bureaucratic barriers that one one has to somehow overcome. Uh, whether it's top-down decision-making or a general reluctance to change or, or, or the need for these wonderful MOUs that Ara was uh, um, pointing us towards as well. But, you know, I've worked in Italy as well and uh, frankly, it's, <laughs> it's even worse there. So also, you know, just the technicalities of working with a grant, uh, whether it's from the UK or elsewhere, it, it, it's difficult, particularly when one's working internationally and what money you can share within the constraints of the grant and uh, you know how, how much so there's some it's really tricky and it, it, it can cause a bit of upset and the, uh, you know particularly if there's an imbalance in, 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 in or perceived imbalance in, in the budget. Then another challenge that I've encountered and it should be a positive really is just trying to reciprocate on Jordanian hospitality I mean, when, you know, for example, dedicating enough time for looking after one's partners when they come and visit you for 10 days, uh, you know, was a joy, but also <laughs> interesting challenge. 
And then finally, another challenge we encountered was actually needing, you know, in, in we, we, I think what I'm trying to say is that we need to practice, practice it, was, it was quite challenging practicing inclusivity, both in our project planning and decision making. It is complicated, particularly when you've got varying modes of communication being favoured by your partner, your project partners, whether it's in person, which works great when you can travel, voice messaging, WhatsApp and so on. So, um, you know, there are some challenges there. Moving on to the positives, there are plenty of rewards and, you know, that's what makes my job a, a real pleasure. Um, learning about Jordanian society and culture is, is fascinating. Uh, and meeting and working with our partners, uh, uh, experiencing that Jordanian hospitality, the politeness, the openness, but also this passionate commitment. Um, it was also, as I've said already, a joy to welcome our Durham colleagues to Jordan. Hopefully you can see the image uh, at the bottom there of everyone outside Durham Cathedral on a chilly but sunny day. Um, and then learning, as, and this is something Arwa said, learning from our Jordanian so-called trainees actually about their ways of doing things, their ways in which they think we might improve things. Uh, so two, you know, training is really, we experienced it as a two-way process. Um, but also, you know, we did a lot of evaluation, uh, have done along our project and reading the positive feedback from our project partners and participants about how our project's actually making a difference to cultural heritage professionals and academics and indeed school children in Jordan is, is very rewarding. Finally, something we've got onto very recently is co-authoring research papers now. And I, the, the older I get, the, the more I enjoy this process of just knocking around ideas, sharing ideas, and you're really benefiting from one's Jordanian colleagues' perspectives and critical comments, actually. You know, they are polite, but they can be crit critical as well, and that's great. So to reflect then or on all that uh, slightly more deeply, um, there's various lessons that I've learned I want to share with you, and as I say, do compare them to, to your own. Firstly, I think it's important for international partners like myself to learn as much as possible as we can about Jordanian society and Arab culture, whether it's the traditions, gender relations, or working environments. Secondly, a big lesson is about, and we know everyone knows this about project working, effect, establishing effective lines of and styles of communication is absolutely essential. Um, you know, there are diverse norms. So email is not necessarily, well, it's not the primary mode for us, uh, whereas it is, tends to be in UK academia. Um, I found also, although I'm being, you know, shouting at my uh, uh, camera today, um, I actually found myself in meetings softening my tone and being less assertive in meetings in response to Jordanian meetings, which I found characterized by friendly talk and food, um, where there's an emphasis on creating teamwork and ideas and productivity together. So that's something I've, you know, beneficially adapted to. And also I've enjoyed not only asking questions, but listening, um, trying to understand the challenges faced by one's colleagues, one's partners and their hopes for the future. Third lesson I've learned is about aid. Uh, to put it bluntly, I've learned that aid is an ugly word uh, and that it's still used by UK and US funding agencies. And I think we have to question that for various reasons, which I can go into later, perhaps, if you want to talk about that. Um, fourthly, I think due to, I've learned that due to operating in, you know, what is in the UK, an increasingly competitive university sector, there's a tendency for UK-based academics, including myself, to, or, or, or no, not including myself, in fact, to, to play this sort of collaboration partnership game to secure funding, to secure successful impact case studies, 
to even secure career progression for themselves. And it's, it is difficult to break away from this context, this competitive context. But I, I do sincerely believe that we as international contributors to projects must work in partners with Jordanian colleagues in what Ara was described at the beginning as a post-colonial manner uh, that rewards partners equally. Fifthly, um, and this is something Arwa touched on as well, which is that established standards of, of good practice in the UK and the West shouldn't be automatically used as a baseline for evaluating and changing local practices. They have to be adapted pragmatically to local circumstances and solutions, especially in the context where we're coming in with only short-term project funding. Uh, you know, it's up to our partners, essentially, you know, in, in relatively with relatively limited financial resources to uh, make uh, what they can of these international uh, practices. And finally, I w I've learned that despite the widely held perception, and you see this on various published articles on gender in Jordan, despite the widely held perception that women are marginalized in the political and cultural religious context of Jordan, actually what I've learned is the female participants in our project have come to the fore, selflessly using what time, leadership, influence and power they do have to help us achieve our shared goals. So at that point, I think it's very appropriate, or hopefully appropriate, because she lost uh, her internet connection. I got a message saying it was broken a little while ago. Yeah, she's back, I think. Brilliant. So it's very appropriate then that I hand over to one of those fantastic women in our partner. Uh, Shada, over to you. Thank you, Robin. Right. I'll see if this is going to work. I... Can you hear me and see my presentation? Yes. Brilliant. Thank you everybody for being here today and in this part I will be explaining the role of the Hashemite University in the project that Robin and Arwa has just explained and the kind of relationship that we in the Department of Architecture are having with our Jordanian and British partners. Uh, when Arwa first approached me to, to be part of the project, we just discussed two main points. What we in the department as students and as, as instructors can offer the project and what the project can offer us back. And because the project is based on school children engagement with heritage, we thought that this would fit perfectly with the heritage module that we teach at the Hashemite University. Now, in terms of what we can offer the project, we thought that we can offer our students knowledge in documentation and evaluation of architectural heritage. We've, be we've been doing this for quite a long time in the Hashemite University, but in 2014, we have shifted into producing a more engaging material based on the scientific uh, documentation of architectural heritage. We started designing with the school children in mind, so we created material that is dynamic, sometimes colorful, and interesting enough for school children to engage with. The material comes in, in three basic shapes. The logos, we design the logos to capture the mind of, of a child to engage, like these two logos here for the city of Ummijmal. Um, a camel would definitely capture a child's mind, regardless of his or her culture. Um, the second uh, shape of creative material is interpretive model. Now, interpretive models are designed to be played with, to be altered, and sometimes they, they contain movable objects to, just to keep children engaged. Um, in this colorful model of Jarash, um, some parts are cut into puzzles. I hope you can see them. I can point them here. But some parts are cut into puzzle pieces to engage children and adults alike, and hopefully learn something out of this engagement. The third um, creative material we create in the Hashemite University as a department is uh, interpretation material. We design interpretation science to be vibrant and colorful and engaging 
no matter how serious the information they provide. Uh, to your right-hand side, you can see an interpretation sign for some parts of Medinat Zarqa, the Zarqa city. And the other sign is for the village of Gharise, uh, near the Hashemite University. So basically, we offer the project our students, their, their passion for heritage and their willingness to engage with heritage and with others over, over heritage. In return, we thought that the project will offer us the audience, the school children that we are eager to interact with and explain our creative material for. We also thought that the project would save us the logistic and the time and effort that is needed to reach out for school uh, children and school teachers and to arrange for the event. But most importantly, we thought that this project will, will give our students the chance to experience partnership. It will offer them uh, the chance to engage with partners from this different disciplines, from Jordan and the UK, and this engagement would certainly broaden their perspectives and enhance their experience. Uh, we made sure that our students met almost all our partners during the different stages of the project. We had three different lectures held at the Hashimite University and delivered by our partners. And this was a good chance for our students to engage with, uh, with our partners over the project. Together, the students, the partners, we decided on a plan. Our students will prepare their creative material and this creative material will be presented for the school children, um, the school that Arwa has just mentioned, Balqis School. And this school is located near the citadel of Amman. The presentation will take place at the museum at the citadel, Madhav Jabal Al Qala. And we have also agreed on a time framework that fitted our student very busy schedule. So the event was arranged accordingly. All this, the meetings, the planning, and the communication, this helped us, uh, our students to feel that they are part of a bigger team. It gave them a sense of partnership. And that was very crucial for me as, as an instructor, because when I had to leave to uh, Durham for the workshop that Arwa has just mentioned, um, this sense guaranteed that my students continued to work efficiently on producing the creative material. Right, now while we were designing um, the creative material at the comfort of our studios at the Hashimite University, our partners, Jordanian and British partners, were running the show behind the scene. Lots of work had to be done to organize the event in the Citadel. We knew that there were meetings between the museum staff and the school teacher to teachers to explain the event and the activities. We knew that permissions had to be acquired to make the event possible. And the museum space, it has to be equipped and reorganized to fit the new audience. But this is the beauty of our partnership. While our partners worked hard to secure the event, we uh, had to show up on the big day with our work. I know that my students spent sleepless nights preparing their material, but they are used to hard work and I can see them nodding their heads now. I know that some of them are among the audience today. But the event was very rewarding for everyone. Now on the big day, our Jordanian partners started the event by providing information about the museum, a very interesting story about Taiki was told as Arwa has just mentioned. And there was a welcoming break, which meant more networking, Facebooking, selfies and food. Um, then the event was resumed with the Hashemite students presenting their work to the children. They listened to their comments and answered their questions. Some groups asked the children to redesign the logos with them and that was a very good chance for, for interaction. Children voted for their favorite logo and uh, explained why they liked it. They also played with the interactive models they dismantled the model, as you can see to your left-hand side, and they continued asking questions. Um, it was a fruitful day for everyone, rewarding day. 
And we have to come to realize that interaction between universities, schools, and heritage sector in Jordan should be facilitated and made more dynamic. This interaction can transform heritage into a fun and dynamic educative material and thus create a future for heritage in school education. We also finished the day with the sense that engaging university students with different scholars from Jordan and abroad, this widened their perception and offered them opportunities that might enhance their future and enrich their career. And just to wrap up, I think it's about time to finish. Just to wrap up, our students felt that their, their engagement with school children was very fruitful and insightful. If they are to do it again, the students would want to engage with children while designing their, their creative material because they thought the children had very interesting ideas. All the partners wanted that, and that was the ideal situation, but it requires flexible engagement mechanism to be able to reach out for children, school children, and school teachers during the different stages of the project. But after the distance learning has gone viral in the last three months in Jordan and all over the world because of Corona, we think that distance learning might offer the needed flexibility to engage with the school children in the future. It also might help us to plan the next stage of the project and to reduce the adverse effect, 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 sorry, effects of Corona. Although we all know that nothing can be the one-to-one -one interaction, but we have to find our way around it. We have to find our way just like we are doing now by conducting this virtual seminar. Um, that was all about our partnership in the Hashimite University with the project. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I hope I didn't exceed the time. No, not at all. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I'm glad you could join us. You could come back again after <laughs> a short interruption. Um, so yes, we have uh, some praise for the, all the models that you built for the children from one of our, our people in the question and answer section. Mm. And so I'm going to, um, uh, what's, very, what's very actually striking for me coming from uh, the UK is the level of engagement of, of uh, architects in the, in the heritage uh, sector. Um, uh, uh, so I, I'm just, my, my question, my first question to Shadar Tavala is, uh, why do you feel that is? Um, do you feel that architects particularly engage with, uh, with, uh, with the heritage through, the, through space and through what they do? Um, why do you think architects have this very, um, uh, this very important role in I don't see it quite the same in the UK. It's very interesting. Uh, I can speak uh, for myself when I say that uh, the modules that I have uh, I have uh, um, learned in, in my university, history, history of architecture one, two, three, and four, were uh, delivered by very interesting professors, and I think that was the reason. Uh, the, the other reason would be what you have just mentioned, Carol, is that we are surrounded with this rich environment where um, historic places are everywhere. And um, I think there is a third reason. It, 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 it's built in with, within a person. Some people are very eager to learn about the past. And they, they find their future in the past, like myself. So... But yes, it is, it is the richness of, of our historic heritage that uh, might be the, the general reason for everyone, for all okay. our I'm just, I'm going to encourage people who are in the Zoom room to put their questions in the Q&A, please, so that we can answer them. And I have a familiar name here. Katerina Schmidt is saying thank you, all of you, for your interesting um, conversation and sharing your ex experiences. Um, so uh, for Arwa, <laughs> um, 
Um, what do you feel that, how do you feel um, museums have changed uh, between the past, how they operated and today? Um, what are the focuses of, of interest that you see in Jordi Jordanian museums and professionals working nowadays? Thank you. Thank you, uh, Katrina. I mean, the, I think I've mentioned the pre and post 2000 because I can see that there is a difference in the museums that were established since uh, 1951 until 2000. And I mean, we, all, we, we look at them as rich with collections, but there are still rigid places. Um, and there's that lack of in kind of the, the hands on and that engagement that you've seen the project is, is trying to, to, to introduce is lacking. So, you know, it is a little bit traditional in its way. And then the museums that opened afterwards, perhaps there are, you know, degrees in museum and heritage studies are offered now more than before. So you have a different generation of people coming in, not from an archeological background specifically, but from various backgrounds. So there's multidisciplinary professional um, approach to museums where you get people from science backgrounds, from marketing backgrounds, and they're going into these kind of more modern museums to change the way engagement is happening. And what we've noticed is that there is a gap, to be honest, between those two kind of two eras of museums between the people working there. Just because there's little communication happening, people need to talk to each other, they need to understand challenges on both ends. So I think uh, it, today I see that uh, museum professionals are trying to listen to each other and they're really, really thinking of change. They want to change. There are challenges which we probably recognize that exist in Jordan, whether it's the bureaucratic processes, whether it's the lack of funding, whether it's the lack of infrastructure and strategy that and that really needs to change. Otherwise, what we're doing today will eventually just die out. So this is a chance to actually um, get that change to happen. Thank you. Um, okay, I'm just gonna, um, just following on, if I can stay with Arwa, what is the historical significance of 1951 from Salam Mekonen, if I've pronounced that correctly? Yes, so, so this is after Jordan's independence. So, um, so the, the Citadel was supposed to be the National Museum. So it's part of a movement that many countries uh, reached their independence to establish institutions. So the Citadel was kind of a, a national institution and it was established by Lancaster Harding, who was uh, um, the late, late Lancaster Harding, who was the head of the Department of Antiquities at that time. And it was actually the, the offices of the Department of Antiquities at the same time. So it was a really important building and the first of its kind that was purposefully built as a museum. So that's the significance of that. And when you go into the Citadel Museum today, you will see the museum of 1951, which is absolutely amazing mm. um, in its showcases, in its displays. Mm. Um, and, you know, to, to just take this opportunity to thank uh, Tahar Wanmeen and Hannah Lafi, the curators who actually led these activities um, in the Citadel Museum with us. So another familiar name from Barbara Porter, who is with us today, perhaps for Arwa or Robin. How far along is the guideline stage and when will the advocacy stage start? Mm -hmm. And she thanks you all for your presentations. <laughs> That's like a start, but Arwa can correct me. I mean, we're right in the middle of it. The guidelines are pretty much there. We've, uh, we're really just going to wrap them up in a month or so. They're based on both wide reading into good practice, but also the experiences of our projects. So we've got the, the data. We were hoping to do a couple more uh, pilot studies uh, out in Jordan. But we'll see if we can do those with the current restrictions. But uh, so guidelines are really pretty much uh, there and advocacy has always been there. It's not something that we started with advocacy in a sense in, in the project by going to the Ministry of Education, for example, to the Jordan Museum, to the uh, Department of Antiquities. Advocacy has to be there throughout. You need to inform 
decision as you probably are well aware you need to inform decision makers and and your sponsors all the way along and keep them informed uh, because otherwise you're not going to make a change at the end of the day or only in a very small informal way locally so we've been practicing advocacy all along but that's the plan is to go out with a bang as well, <laughs> to have a real showcase uh, advocacy uh, where we formally present uh, our uh, our. Uh, you've said it, you know, perfectly. I think you know. I mean, the advocacy part is starting right at the start, and I think, I mean, uh, if if uh, if we're able to at some point pursue with the project and get to Jordan, the a final meeting that invites all decision makers to actually showcase what has been done and try and uh, and um, yeah maybe connect people at the higher levels i think that's what we're trying to do as well now okay we've got lots of questions coming in i'm um i'll, I'll come back to some people are asking more than one question i'm trying to <laughs> um to give uh, a chance to everyone so I may come back to some of the questions. One of your, um, one of your partners, uh, Maria Elena Ronza from Sela is, uh, is with us and she says, thank you for the presentation. Um, could you comment some more about how school teachers and school kids responded to your proposed initiatives in Jordan? Um. Shada, would you, I mean I'm happy to comment. Maybe Shada, you could you could talk you could talk a bit about that. I can talk about the response of of the school children, and uh, um, I guess it was very very educative for them, but also it was it was fun. Uh, but uh, to be honest, and this is what I have explained during the uh, the presentation. Um, our partners spared us the, the hassle of engaging directly with, with the, with the uh, teachers before the event itself. I know it was a very interesting thing to be involved in, but because of the limited time my students and I had, so we, we all focused on delivering material that is really engaging for, for school children. And to do that, we have um, used some references that are tackling how children can be attracted to material and learn from them. So maybe my answer is not relevant to, to the question directly, but I can um, read from the response of the children that this is something they want to do very often, not only them, but also my students, um, the almost architects. They, they really enjoyed the process and they thought um, it should happen more, more often. And some of them thought that they can do it not only in heritage module, but in other modules. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, well, you might be able to talk just, about uh, Just to say that if after that now, so the school has joined our Facebook page um, and we're still in contact with Mrs. Majida, the, head, the, 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 the headmistress and Ms. Fadia, one of the teachers that were there. And we invited them to this webinar, so I'm hoping they're listening to us today. So that partnership is extending beyond the project as well, which is something really nice to see. Um. Okay, we have a question from uh, Lina Al-Bakar. Um, I'm just, I just want to, the, to add that the attraction of this project is that it's compatible in dealing with different kinds of sectors, private and public, and also dealing with changing mentality mm -hmm. and changing procedures in Jordan. And it gives the opportunity for us to take the decisions together so it this is a real benefit of this kind so i guess mm. that's a comment of appreciation uh thank you very much and i'm going to go back to katarina because she has a question that i would like to ask today is in the context that you're working and you've alluded to this as well how do you deal with the concept of um best practice mm. in a intergenerational, intercultural, um, intersectorial uh, uh, endeavor, as you're describing, um, how, do you, uh, how do you approach best practice? I'll give it a try to start with, but I'm definitely going to need my colleagues in on this answer <laughs> as well. So that's a, it's a fantastic question and I've been scribbling away thoughts on it. I mean, 
trying to find you a good example here, but um, what I can think of the top of my head, really, although there should be plenty of other examples, in a sense that, you know, the standard good practice sort of, uh, you know, what you get out of museum education, you know, literature and so on, we, we can see it and our partners were certainly, you know, either aspiring to that or achieving that. So I mean, you know, that there wasn't so much attention over the sort of standard museum education where we're trying to get to in terms of good practice, but it was more in terms of good practice around where for international project, there's an emphasis or indeed national projects, at least in the UK, there's a strong emphasis on partnership building and networking and advocacy, advocacy using both informal and more formal sort of mechanisms. And it's quite easy, for example, to just go to a school down the road here in Durham, make friends with the teacher and it all happens. They come and visit your museum after a bit of a risk assessment and they'll come and it's, it's really quite an informal, nice sort of process and really beneficial. Um, in Jordan, what I've experienced is that it's a bit more tricky and uh, right from the beginning, my heart dropped when I realised that MOUs were <laughs> fundamental to a lot of the way things operate. And so, you know, that more top down approach and more formal approach to forming partnerships and agreements. I, I don't know if that's good practice or bad practice, but it was certainly difficult practice that I had to engage with. Uh, Shada, Arawa, what do you think? Uh, I guess, well, it, it's all circumstantial. I mean, yeah, a good practice in Jordan might not be a good practice somewhere else, but uh, from my point of view, I think the good practice would be more about um, responding to the, to the context, responding to the problem or to the issue that you are dealing with and trying to uh, make the most of the resources that you have without having to look for external help. And sometimes, um, yeah, sometimes um, a good practice means just uh, making the most of, of what you have. As simple as this. <laughs> but also I would, I would add to the, the kind of what you borrow. So not only like when we were in Durham doing the activities in the Oriental Museum, so it was handling objects. Some of it were 3000 years objects from, um, uh, from, from ancient Egypt. And uh, as soon as the students would pick the object, put it on the table, our colleagues from, from Jordan would pick it up, put it back in the box because the culture is the kind of protection and worry about the object. At the same time at the Oriental Museum, the staff there said that we realized when uh, your Jordanian colleagues were there, that we were doing things a little bit too formal and structured and that the nurturing part that they've seen when they were surrounding the kids and they were smiling and laughing and you know there was more of a yeah a nurturing environment so it was really interesting to see that Durham has also taken some of the good practice that, that is implemented in Jordan that kind of close engagement we have a question from Rachel. Are there any plans for simultaneous engagement partnership with university students in the UK as this project goes on, connecting multiple generations across both countries, if you will? It's a really nice idea. Uh, there will be now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, that would be hard work, Arwa. Can you imagine <laughs> having like 30 students coming to Durham? I mean, just to say, sorry. Just no, to say I, that. I should mention that some of us, sorry, Arwa, you go on. No, 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 please. Uh, I should just say that on the back of this project, actually a couple of Durham students did go out to Jordan. I think they did, and they worked with Sela uh, to gain some work experience. They were master's students in international cultural heritage. So, but I'd love to put those two groups of students together. Uh, that would be, I've seen it happen on other projects. It's so rewarding for those students and indeed the whole project to get that exchange of ideas and friendship. Um, at the level of the students. Arwa. I was going to say exactly the same about the in, 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 the master students coming to Jordan through CELA. So that's that's really been uh, 
one way of engaging university students with, with heritage, even not in Durham, but all the way in Jordan. Mm. Hey, uh, we have lots of questions <laughs> still. Andrew Ferrara, um, again, thanks you very much for your fascinating presentations. I has two questions, I'm gonna ask one of them for now. Um, how much over, overlap did you find between the national curriculum mm. and the displays within the museums and following on the potential opportunities for the museum collections to be a direct learning resource for schools? So this is about the overlap between uh, national curricula and presentation in museums. Go for it, Arawa. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it is a very interesting question because how do you link museum collections to a curriculum that excludes 99% of the past? Having said that, there are entry points. So there could be an image of an archaeological site, let's say Jerash, and that talks about tourism. However, we can actually, through museums, um, link to that image and expand. So it's the kind of the breadth and the depth of um, information and the creativity that museums have to um, juggle with of, you know, how do we link, how do we find these entry points in the curriculum? But to be honest, there has to be um, serious questions about how, how the past is presented and how, and I think one of the key things to start thinking about introducing heritage specialists, museum specialists in the authoring committees. Okay. Um, a question um, sort of that I have, but also um, a question about uh, museums in general. Um, can you say a little bit more about, um, you've obviously spoken about the Citadel uh, Museum, um, but the range of museums that you dealt with and also um, the dichotomy between centralizing heritage museums in one national museum versus a model of several smaller local museums has many pros and cons. This is Stefan Smith and is an issue in all countries. Where do you see the balance between a national museum and local museums um, lying for Jordan? Okay, I think, yeah, the Jordan Museum has been a wonderful partner, as indeed mm. of all of our, our museums. But I think, um, well, actually, I was going to say they've, they've come to the fore as a hub uh, for hosting some of the activities, but so too have other of the museums. And in fact, we've been careful to share things out and to meet in various museums so that no one museum sort of stood uh, out above on the others. But it, but it is a fact that the Jordan Museum has a, uh, what we in the UK call a, an education officer or a learning officer. So of course, you know, they're sharing their uh, wonderful, you know, positive experience there with the other museums. But the diversity of the museums and institutions is really powerful for us because uh, you get so much energy from the smaller museums or the independent museums, what are called the, the private funded museums in Jordan as well. And to see, so what we're trying to do is just really network those museums together to break down those traditional barriers or classifications of your one kind of a museum or another. And it is working. It's really positive to have them in the same room on an equal footing and just uh, have, ha have the participants, you know, from different kinds of museums, just uh, share good ideas with each other. Mm -hmm. Let the other speak as well, sorry. <laughs> I think, can I add to that, that I think that it's, it's worthwhile in Jordan thinking about the National Museum and the local museums that we need to start thinking about the stories that the local museums are saying. So at the moment we have more, more or less site museums um, that are mainly, you know, a chronological order of, you know, telling the story of Jordan in a, in a, in a, on, a on a smaller scale of comparison to the National Museum. And I really think that we need to, for somebody to visit a museum in the North to get a different story than a museum being visited in the middle or in the south. And then when we when visiting the National Museum, the Jordan Museum, is when you get the kind of the full scale story. So I think that is something that we need to work on in Jordan. 
It's the diversity and richness that small museum bring to the story of Jordan, the small stories within the big story. So that's, that's the beauty of it. I mean, mm. um, I still remember my, my visit to uh, Kahfloot, the small uh, museum in El Ghor. And it was really fascinating to uh, climb all this uh, distance up just to, to see what, what it can offer you. It's worth the journey. I think small museums something that we should see um, more empowered and having bigger role in telling the story of Georgia. I think I'm going to uh, ask just a couple more questions and maybe one of my own. Um, Mary Brooks, who uh, also says that was very inspiring, and but she has a rather bureaucratic question. Um, to inspire funders to fund future projects, they usually want evidence of mm -hmm. effectiveness. And how are you doing the evaluation in this project? Mary Brooks from Durham University. Yeah, evaluations run throughout the project right from the beginning, but on all events, uh, we, we accumulate uh, information. And it's not just a bureaucratic exercise, actually. We've I've really enjoyed reading feedback and sort of adapting our, you know, and helping our project adapt our, what we're aiming for and adapting our guidelines. So it's been a cumulative process actually of, of, uh, of building on that evaluation. It's just, you know, been pretty much good standard practice that we've been evaluating more or less every activity we've participated in. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, we've got numbers if required, but we've also got some lovely quotes and comments uh, on what we've been up to. So I quite like it, to be honest. <laughs> and um, James Siebert from UNESCO Jordan asks, uh, what are your future plans? <laughs> <laughs> if you, if... <laughs> If given the, I mean, you, you've reported on your first year, you're now in your second year. I realize we're in a very special situation. What are you doing to adapt? What would you like to do in the future? I think a general response is we have to shift more towards Jordan, whether it's virtually or, you know, it, it physically, hopefully as well, if we can get over there. But I think we, an even greater emphasis on Jordan now. And, and enabling our partners, seeing our partners flourish. That would be my response. So a shift of, you know, between, from 50-50 to sort of, you know, 30, 30, 70. I'll let the others have their say. Uh, well, uh, as I have concluded in my presentation, the future uh, with Corona is, is very virtual maybe especially if it comes to contacting children, school children and teachers. It might be challenging, but I think it will bring some opportunities that, that can enrich, enrich our, our project. So it's going to be a challenge, challenging time, but very interesting. But I would also add to that is the infrastructure. Without, without the infrastructure, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to move into any any future plans so whether it's the human resources whether it's the spaces inside the museums whether it's the as we said the institutionalization and i think mm -hmm. having an umbrella is absolutely key not not different umbrellas for different museums or different sectors so there has to be a a, a, a right. gathering there has to be somebody to support a way to disseminate information to share experiences to get people together have workshops have you know something along lines and association i think that's that's key um but yeah as robin said directly you know i hope that more you know we need more projects of that kind to move things forward thank you i have a sort of personal question i'm always interested in why people got interested in the past and presentation and engagement what sparks your personal interests in museums and public engagement um yourselves if you can say how you got interested in uh, in in the past do <laughs> <laughs> you want to go first uh pyramids was 
the first thing that captured my attention. I think I, uh, I picked it up from a cartoon movie. So it was about pyramids. So interest in the past goes back to, to my childhood. And when I studied architecture, it grew stronger. When I became an archaeologist, it became stronger. And yeah. <laughs> I must say, on my part, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful to the Friends of Archaeologists Society, actually. When I was 16, I joined, the, well, I'm grateful to my uh, parents for their interest because we joined as a family. And that was the first time, you know, for me to really engage. Uh, but one, on one of the, when I did archaeology at the university, I went down to Petra because we had an assignment to uh, write about museums in Jordan. So I decided I'm gonna write about Petra Museum. And what shocked me is how many, how many thousands of people were in Petra and how empty the museum was. And I think that was my first, um, yeah, the spark to, to, to head uh, in, into museums, museum education. <laughs> so for, for me, I, I grew up by a ruined medieval castle and church and uh, so we, my brother and I used to just play in the ruins uh, every day. <laughs> so it was inevitable, I think. <laughs> and museums, of course, I've inflicted them on my, my children ever since, and I love them. Thank you. Thank you. So it really shows this is something that begins at a very, uh, very young, very formative, uh, very formative age. I'd like to thank you very, very much for your presentations and uh, for the project <laughs> that you're doing um, and, uh, and for being willing to do this presentation today and share your thoughts and experiences with, uh, with virtually and in a CBRL forum. So thank you very much. And we, we look forward to catching up with you a bit later, uh, virtually or in, or in person. And I'd like to thank the audience for joining us today. I hope you've uh, enjoyed the event. There's been a lot of familiar names <laughs> that have been in the participants. Um, and just to encourage you to have a look at our website for future webinars. Um, we have a, a broad range. Um, the next one is also on, on Jordan in about two weeks time on the theme of moderation. Um, and please do uh, engage with CBRL, uh, join our mailing list, and you can support our work by being a member. And uh, thank you very much to everybody. And thank you once again to our speakers. So, thank you. And thank thanks you. so much, Carol. Thank you, Maggie, as well, for, for your, your <laughs> thank great you, Maggie, work. Thank you, Maggie, in the background. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. My salama from a man. <laughs> Bye.